0: thanks ashton i mean you, happy birthday again for yesterday oh, thank you uh, what, how old did you turn yesterday again 23 right okay so i wanted to ask you a question you are technically an adult have you done much adulting yet as in dealing with the stresses of life because sitting four foot the other side of that wall is etna quirk in their show producer who's flat, flat, flat out this morning adulting trying to sort out her mobile phone <laughs> she's onto one of the providers in there and she can't get them to when you answer the phone, you get much hassle like that at 23 years of age?
1: Um, A bit, yeah. Okay, it's probably yeah. increasing a little bit now, but yeah, I mean, I'm only 23. I tell myself that anyways. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm still young. I still have time, but yeah, no. I mean, moving away to college, I had to do like look after myself for four years anyway. So I managed to keep myself alive for four years. So I think I've done a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, dealing with energy companies and all that sort of stuff, trying to get them on the phone is a nightmare. Yeah. I was, but uh, et- Ethel is starting to look a little bit more relaxed. I mean, she might have... Did you get your phone sorted et- it's all done. It is, it's all done. We got a thumbs up <laughs> from Ethnic Rick So that's one of the hassles. I hate doing that type yeah, of stuff.
1: You get stuck on the line for ages and then it's the music playing and then the music stops. You're like, oh, I'm finally through. And then it starts Yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, Start. yeah. Yeah, that that, yeah.
0: that 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 loop of desperation mm-hmm. and um, anxiety all in one go. Well, listen, at least Ethnic rick has got a smile on her face. She's got her phone sorted out. I'll be able to text <laughs> her all evening long and record now. Ashling, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again at twelve.
2: KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card the perfect gift for all occasions see fairgreen.ie 083 306
0: 9696 that's the dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line that so many of you use to get your comments in so many comments on our conversation with Kathleen Function um, at the start of the show about the uh, cams situation desperate I think is the general sort of theme and vibe of most of them but one text message did come in that's far from desperate because they're asking me to wish zone Zoe Ramsbottom from Callan, a very happy 21st birthday today. Lots of love from Mam Sheila, Dad Marty, Sister Megan, Michael and her nephew Archie have a lovely day. So we've got Zoe Ramsbottom and Callan, who's 21 today. And uh, newsreaders in here with 22 yesterday. Very happy birthday, Zoe. Uh, I'm not John Walsh. I'm not going to sing to you, but I'm sure um, John, like everybody here at KCLR, would wish you a very, very happy 21st birthday. Celebrations. Is Monday a good night for a 21st? Yeah, stretch it out. You'll get the whole weekend out of it. happy 21st birthday. Coming up between now and 12 in a couple of moments' time, I'll be joined by John Hurley. John is the CEO of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. We're talking the launch of the 2023 the Kenny Chamber of Business Awards and uh, we've also got um, some conversations with Councillor Will Patton about calls from Carlow County Council to the HSE to set up a prep clinic in Carlow. Will Patton will be joining us around about 25 past 11. Angie Gough, CEO and founder of Helping Irish Hosts is here around about 10 to 12 and we continue our piece on the Kilkenny wedding fair, Casey at ours very own wedding fair, but Jerry Farrell is still here. Jerry, we haven't forgotten him about you. We've a couple of questions that we want to get through. You want to move on um, from talking about global crisis to talking about hopefully something that won't be a crisis. Budgetary kite flying, right now everybody knows what that is, but that's when the politicians test the waters in the months and weeks ahead of a budget by saying we might do this but I never said we were going to do that now that everybody likes the idea of that is it an actual tactic that they use do you believe?
3: Oh absolutely of course it is absolutely and what we've seen already Brian is uh, things like um, uh, the USC is now back in the frame in terms of maybe a reduction in the USC trying to improve the the lot of the squeezed middle I guess uh, looking after um, our uh Elderly and retired, uh, more so, and uh, also uh, families with young children. So there's going to be a lot in this budget for a lot of people. I think uh, I, I suppose prudence uh, would be the key from my perspective in terms of what we do when we shouldn't try and do everything in one year. And uh, so I would be, I, I would be expressing notes of caution that you know there are some cautionary. Uh, signs that some of the sources of our uh, Ireland Inc's income down the line may not always be there so we need to be really careful about what we commit to in this budgetary framework uh, that's coming up in the next few weeks and what I would say is probably what we're going to see is uh, some reasonably significant supports again to, uh, to pensioners and to people with young families uh, and some of those supports might well be in the form of once-off payments, which is probably not a bad thing because uh, you don't commit uh, the exchequer to a long-term cost. So yeah. I, I, I think that's that would be a good thing. Uh, talk uh, about
0: the USC, right? Because there's been a bit, as we said, kite flying and talk about reductions of USC's and changes to thresholds at which people will enter various different rates. When was the USC brought in? And just remind us again how it was framed at the time.
3: Yes, yeah, so that's a good point. And I think from memory now, and, and John is here in the studio and he might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think from memory it was brought in when we had um, the IMF in town and it was brought in as a way of raising additional taxes. And it was brought in as a temporary measure under a former um, Taoiseach in Enda Kenny and it was planned to be a, a very temporary thing. Now, I may be incorrect on that but I have a, a memory of it being about 2010 or 2011 uh it's 12 years on it's still there uh it it does exactly what it needs is to it do is it going away of, away Anytime time soon uh, well there's two parts to that really is it going away probably not should it go away probably not because we we controversial well it, it's interesting because I think as we go into the next election cycle, much of the focus will be on the two Hs, housing and health. Mm. We've never invested more money in, in, in both in the history of the state uh, and yet we still have massive issues in both. And when certainly when I was growing up, um, the two main issues were employment and immigration. We don't have those issues anymore. We've solved the unemployment issue and we have net immigration into the, uh, into the country now. Uh, so I've no doubt we will solve those issues but it's not about throwing more money at them uh, I think because the funding is massive it's about right sizing them and perhaps uh, being a bit smarter about how we spend the money but I mean that's very easy for me to say and maybe a little bit glib but, but I think from a kite flying perspective we've seen a little bit of it we'll see a little mm-hmm. bit more I think prudence should take hold uh, and we shouldn't be just focused on the next election cycle and yeah. that's what concerns me.
0: I just wonder I am um, I just wonder how strong prudence's grip is to be quite honest with you I'd love to meet prudence someday. Um she sounds like a very interesting person. Well we've got time just for one of our listeners questions. It says hi Jerry I've an underlying medical condition I'm in my early 30s I want to protect my income will I get cover.
3: Yeah so it's a really really good question so what this individual is talking about is talking about payment protection or income protection so it's it's life assurance and it will pay uh, assuming cover is granted by a life company it will pay in the event of you being unable to to work and uh, and it will pay a proportion of what your salary was because the whole idea is to make you well enough to get back to work at some point so either three quarters or two thirds of what your original salary was less any state benefits but if you have underlying medical conditions Obviously, they need to be medically underwritten. Depending on the nature and severity of those conditions, it may lead to cover with um, a rating cover with an exclusion for that particular medical condition or perhaps indeed a decline so an option might be to look at serious illness cover instead
0: Okay so there are options you wouldn't rule out totally but there'll be hurdles to get over in relation to it when we did Jerry Farrell Castleview Financial Services a pleasure as always to have you in studio Jerry will be back with us next week and uh, we've got uh, lots of time to get those questions and if you do have questions for Jerry, I know they're always always popular you can email them into us you don't have to do it while we're live on air you can email kclrlive at kclr96fm.com at what any point during the day, week or month that you've had time to formulate those questions. Jerry. thank you much always uh, for your time in studio. It's 13 minutes past 11. Something else that's become a very big part of not just the business calendar here in Kilkenny is also uh, becoming very much part of the social calendar in Kilkenny also because today celebrates the launch of the 2023 Kilkenny Chamber of Business Awards and joining me now to tell me all about it and what we can expect, John Hurley, CEO of of Kilkenny Chamber. John, thanks very much for your time this morning.
4: Good morning, Brian. Delighted to be here.
0: You have a busy schedule planned for the rest of the day because the launch is officially taking place, I believe, in the Butler at uh,
4: 12.30. Butler Gallery at 12.30, open to all. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big deal for us. This is the single biggest event that we run every year uh, so from here now to November which is the 25th of November is the gala night uh, in the Lyra at the State Hotel uh, it's going to be busy 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 um organising and running and, and the various different stages of the lead up to who the winners will be on, on the, the awards night
0: and of course the event as we said the launch is taking place 12.30 in the Butler Gallery it's a free event anybody can pop along I mean maybe if you're new to the business community here in the city and you've never had a chance to interact with the chamber before it might be just a nice opportunity to pop along and get a sense of the work that you guys do.
4: Absolutely, and people will wonder, you know, who's it for and what's it about, and so on. And exactly what you just said there, Brian. It's a, an opportunity to meet others. Uh, people like doing business with people they know. Um, so meeting and greeting, and you know, having a cup of coffee, and um, you know, meeting uh, others in a nice social but business-related setting. Uh, and indeed, it is uh, also the biggest event uh, on the business social calendar for Kilkenny um, in the whole year so uh, the who's who of Kilkenny will be there or will be watching or will be involved at some stage over the coming weeks and months so why not you you should be there too everybody that, all, all the, the listeners and so on
0: I've had the pleasure of being there a couple of times the event itself on the night um, in is, it's it's a fabulous fabulous event it's uh, glitzy glamour it's fun it's a bit of crack but what is what are the, what are the awards themselves all about you know do, do, do does a business owner really need um, an award like this or is it just something else to dust on the mantelpiece
4: I think there is both a need and a big want for uh, a good solid awards programme it's really all about uh, stopping and taking time out from being a busy bee about your business you know going hither and thither, um, which we all have to do in business a business doesn't just run itself you have to work hard at it but it is important also to stop and take stock of what's happening uh, in our businesses and in the businesses all around us and that's exactly what the wards are all about it's about taking stock and seeing who's doing what where and when and uh, how good they are at it and acknowledging the great achievements the great stories that people have about what they're trying to achieve what they are actually achieving and what their plans are for the future and this is it's at this event that we get to hear about the best of those stories uh, and we don't know the best of those stories no. until people come and tell us so that's what the launch is all about is announcing that look this now is starting it's a process that involves literally months of planning and engagement where we will open the doors now they'll be open this, from this afternoon uh, or application system and nomination system is online, so it's open to everybody. If you know of a business that you think is, you know, very good at what they do and they should be considered for an award, nominate them. So uh, you can
0: actually nominate a business that you're not involved in. I mean, you absolutely. might be a customer walking in and just think, do you know what? They give me a great service every time I pop in.
4: That's exactly the kind of stories that we want to hear about and the businesses that we want to hear about. Those people who are doing a great job uh, and now is the opportunity to give them a clap in the back. Mm. Uh, to hear their story uh, and to celebrate that success because that's what business is all about at the end of the day.
0: Something I was struck with um, or struck by um, over the last couple of years is the winners of the business of the year both family-owned and family-run businesses. I mean, last year's winner, John Doyle, high-tech Medicare, a prime example of that, Door Opticians the year before. You don't have to be a big multinational to get involved with these awards.
4: Oh, absolutely. You're spot on the money there. And in actual fact, um, the smaller kind of, um, you know, owner operated businesses, uh, family businesses and other, others as well uh, they're the guys and the girls who have real passion for what they do they're the ones that are really running fantastic businesses and have great stories to tell and they're the ones absolutely that do tend uh, to, to come through the the uh, evaluation process and get selected as winners. As, as you said John Doyle's story um, in high tech Medicare, um, a small business that came out of nothing in clock outside Castlecomer, Comer um, to be being a, a huge supplier, um, a main supplier Jesse, for orthopedic um, equipment and so on. What a story! Yeah. Out of nothing, uh, grew grew this fantastic business.
0: And I hope John won't mind me saying this, but John came across last year as a very simple, down to earth. He was just, he was just somebody who was doing work and sometimes I think business becomes not becomes but is perceived to be a little bit highfalutin that you have to have degrees and you have to have gone to a, you know one of these fancy business schools somewhere um, John is just an example of somebody and his family indeed and the whole team of somebody who puts in the hard graft and cares about what he does
4: Absolutely and, and that comes through in the whole evaluation process now over the coming weeks and months uh, where we will engage with all of the people who are representing their businesses and we'll hear their stories we'll interview them we'll ask them lots of challenging questions and so on um, because our our purpose really is to identify those businesses that have a great story to tell, and as you said, they're you know businesses like high tech Medicare uh, John Dolan so he's so passionate about it uh, and his family indeed a m- number of family members involved there uh, it's a wonderful business and we can great other businesses can get great support and ideas from that as well to see what he has done and what they have done in that space that maybe we we you or I could replicate in a different business context it's a great
0: opportunity to nick some good ideas as absolutely. well absolutely <laughs> there's nothing,
4: nothing better than plagiarism in this kind of <laughs>
0: no they don't need to Reinvent the wheel sometimes. John, talk to me about. We, we've mentioned in name check there some of the more recent uh, winners, but looking back historically, what have some of the winners of this prestigious award gone on to achieve?
4: Yeah, that's a good question because if you go back over the years and look at some of the, um, the winners from years ago where are they? They're all still there um, and they've all grown very significantly. Some of
0: them sitting on yachts in Monaco maybe. Absolutely, (laughs) possibly so. Uh,
4: What they do in their private lives is their own business. (laughs) But just to take a a few examples, um, going back nine or ten years ago, uh, you've Brian Dunlop Architects um, and Brian has expanded he's now based there in uh, Patrick Street, running a a brilliant business T. Butler Engineering. They're going from strength to strength, uh, almost 100% uh, export. They're still story is phenomenal. Hermitage genetics, they've gone international. Um, they already were dabbling in that area uh, and now are huge. Uh, Transfermate? need I say any more yeah. uh, the whole Clune technology story and so on and so on CF Pharma Hughes Farming you know and indeed uh, Door Optical which was the winner the previous year yeah. Um. again fabulous family story Um. with their their wonderful new place out there in uh, the Lockboy. Boy uh, it's, uh, the it, it, re- it really
0: is phenomenal I mean the stories just go on and on in terms of um, the amount of success stories that, that have been celebrated by the Chamber Awards every year um, when does it all start in terms of you know you've got the launch today. Are you
4: open for applications um, uh, for today? Almost? Absolutely. Well, the, the process is, first of all, we want nominations. Okay, sorry, no, So, nominations, so we, yeah. we want people to nominate themselves and their own business, nominate others, and there's no such thing as too many nominations because that opens the doors for us to start engaging with those companies. And there's no downside to nominating. If you nominate a company um and uh, that comes into us, we then contact that company and say, you know, Brian Redmond recommended you for an award straight away Brian is in the good books with that company <laughs> so so we then ask them would they like to engage and it may not suit them this year yeah. so they might say no not this year but we might do it sometime in the future or they say oh that was really good oh, Brian yeah of course it might get we them
0: thinking about the exactly. possibilities yeah That's of course
4: so, so nominations Get on it, please, it's free and uh, uh, it's open for everybody to get engaged with. So that will then lead us to lots of applications come through over the coming weeks, and we will uh, shortlist those, and then we ultimately interview people. Uh, And So so you can see there's quite a lot of work involved. And and there's a
0: huge amount of categories. I mean, it's not just the business of the year. You've got all sorts of different categories. Give us a bit of a flavour of those categories and let us know.
4: Are, Are there any new categories being added this year? Absolutely. Um, we try, we, we review the categories every year. This we have. Uh, 20 categories it's over 20 actually and so as the saying goes there's nearly one for everyone in the audience we try to uh, keep them up to date and you know relevant and new and so on so forth so we'll have all the usual ones um, like customer service excellence employer of the year employee of the year uh, exporter of the year family business of the year they'll all be in there uh, as per usual and lots lots more but just to identify two new ones that we've brought in uh, and again this is in response to really what's happening and what seen to be important in business world these days, uh, we have a new one called the Sustainability Initiative Award. Excellent. And again, that's very much in line with uh, the expectation now that businesses don't just focus on profit making mm. regardless of the cost. That's
0: a big part of so many businesses now being sustainable.
4: Absolutely. Sustainability is really important that you can run a business profitably and um, employ lots of people without doing damage to environment, to the uh, community that you're based in uh, and the it's, you know, innovative and, and uh, giving back, I suppose. So that's uh, su- the Sustainability Initiative Award uh, there to recognise businesses that have a good eye on the ball in that yeah, respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: There's a huge amount of different types of
4: awards and um, some new ones. Any other new categories? We have another new one then, which is the Volunteer Engagement Award. So there's so many businesses or so many people um, who work by day, but they're doing great work by night as well in a volunteering capacity. Um, they are not-for-profit organisations. There's so many different collections of people uh, doing great work in the volunteer space, and we want to hear about those stories. Um, there's an awful lot of the services that our communities and our people and we ourselves rely upon that is done for free yeah. by people our neighbours and ourselves and and others in the community, and it's it's time for us to acknowledge that, explore that, and celebrate that.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it is. It's a great celebration. You get that fo- that feeling and that vibe um, on the night itself. But it's 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 it is months of that celebration. People stepping back, looking at their own businesses, first of all, enjoying this oh god, somebody nominated me. That's quite nice. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah, maybe we should. And then the experience of stepping back and looking at their own business as they go through that whole process. That's
4: a very good point. And that's something that has been fed back to us consistently, is that businesses who have engaged in the process, that it has forced them to stop and think about how they do their business, how they deal with their customers, with their employees, uh, and what their plans and strategies are going forward. Um, And that that has been hugely useful for them in their own business, not just to, you know, become a finalist in the awards, but to actually change and adapt how they actually do their business, own business going forward. Something
0: else just came to mind, John, very quickly. Do you actually have to be a member of the Chamber to to, to be nominated or to consider...? No. A, no, you don't. OK. No,
4: no, we're, we're a membership organisation, but this is we open to all businesses in Kilkenny City and County yeah. uh, that's basically the criteria it's for Kilkenny based businesses so on,
0: it's not a closed shop Anybody it's not can... a closed shop <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: and we don't want to know just the best business in c- the membership of Kilkenny Chamber we want to know about the business, best businesses in the whole of Kilkenny well it
0: sounds absolutely brilliant I, I have to say I I um, uh, uh, Applaud the, your own passion for, for business and indeed the passion and the work that the Chamber does you can see it in your conversation with me this morning um, are you looking forward to the event yourself John?
4: I have to say yes I mean I know it's a whole pile of work for us and the team in the in the Chamber of Commerce but it's a, a great event um, it has consistently been a tremendous night the biggest night of the year really for business socialising and networking uh, and um, the guys in Lyra, they do such a tremendous job it's a wonderful night out and um, so just purely to enjoy a night out it, it ticks all the boxes but it also achieves quite a lot for the business dynamic in Kilkenny as well
0: Well John Hurley, CEO of Kilkenny Chamber thank you very much for coming on and talking to us this morning uh, the launch taking place in just about an hour's time in the Butler Gallery I'm sure you'll have time to get ready go prepped and uh, in, enjoy the launch enjoy the rest of the year for the Chamber Awards and we'll keep you up to date of course as we get from nominations into shortlists and, and reporting from the event itself uh, Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards kicking off the launch from the Butler Gallery at twelve thirty today. Um, I'll be back with you in just a moment. We're going to continue our conversations around um, all of the various different topics we've got to cover today. If you've got any comment on them, oh wait, 9696 That's our dinner ready. text on WhatsApp line?
2: KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre, Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC Cinema. See Fairgreen.ie.
0: KCLR. Very welcome back to KCLR live. It's almost exactly eleven thirty. Well, news reached us over the last twenty four hours that Carlo County Council is to call on the HSC to set up a prep clinic for those who suffer from HIV. In Carlo County, Councillor Will Patton brings us some more of the details. Now, good morning, Will.
5: Morning, while your
0: listeners. Yeah, great to have you there. I think you maybe panicked for one yeah, second when they started the line broke up, but we've got you nice and clear at the moment. Just to, to start off, uh, is this come as a bit of a bolt out of the blue? whether there conversations um, behind closed doors or around the table that it might be something that the council might ask for?
5: Well, uh, I suppose it is a bit of a of the blue, but as the only gay and out gay member of uh, Carlow County Council, I suppose I'd be a little bit more cognizant of the need for a PrEP clinic in Carlow. Um, it, it, I suppose uh, you have to think about the fact that uh, it's about 40 years since the first reports of HIV and AIDS came to Ireland, and even today HIV remains a significant public health issue. Uh, the number of cases diagnosed in Ireland was relatively staple during the 2015 and 19 period. But as you would expect during the COVID period, the number of cases of HIV fell in 2020 and 2021. But however, the statistics for the first nine months of 2022 show there has been a large rise in newly recognized cases in HIV. Uh, the majority of those HIV cases are amongst men who have sex with men and surprisingly a higher proportion of HIV diagnoses are now coming through females compared to recent years Mm. so you know that's disappointing but really and truly part of the government's strategy to uh, decrease the number of HIV cases was to roll out Uh, uh, HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis, which we all call PrEP. Uh, And the PrEP program is there that men who are having sex with other men take a preventative medication that uh, eliminates the chance of them catching HIV. So in 2020, there was just over 2,000 people registered in the national PrEP program. In 2021, it's nearly 2,700 people. But the problem is, Not all men who are having sex with men are able to join the PrEP programme. There is a wonderful clinic in the sexual health clinic there in Leash in General Hospital and it offers a service to men from County Carlow. However, I am aware that there is some 120 odd individuals waiting the opportunity to join the PrEP programme in Leash.
0: And Will, do you Um, think there's men um, that are having sex with men who probably don't avail of this opportunity because just in logistical terms, uh, travelling to other parts of the country to access PrEP is just not feasible for them?
5: yeah well I suspect that's part of the problem but at the end of the day like catching uh, these like HIV like you will make the effort to travel once every three months to Port Leash to try and uh, you know g- get yourself enrolled in a program that would literally save your life one day mm. you know uh, we talk about you know our health and well being there's been a huge emphasis on mental health and for me I'm all I'm doing is shining on another issue in health which is sexual health so Unfortunately, when you go to the clinic, it's not just as simple as the clinic handing you a three-month supply of PrEP. While individuals that attend the clinic are checked for the presence of STIs, more importantly, they are also checked for the renal function, the kidneys, to make sure that their kidneys are not impaired by taking PrEP. I I would say the work done there by the consultant Dominic Rowley and the staff of Fort Leash General Hospital is really, really well appreciated. Uh, but there is a clear need for a PrEP clinic in County Carlo to facilitate uh, greater access to the PrEP programme. Um, and actually even surprisingly I was even more shocked to learn that there isn't a PrEP clinic in Waterford either. So yesterday I was explaining the purpose of my notice of motion to the members of the council and I'm absolutely delighted to say that they unanimously carried the motion. So we're now asking. Carlow County Council will write to the health service as executive and ask them to establish a prep clinic here in Carlow Town alongside the existing STI clinic Uh,
0: William is there there any sense that maybe men who might be going to prep clinics may bear to go to prep clinics outside of their own locality because of the ridiculous stigma that's still associated with that Uh, and is it something that you can see local men availing of?
5: Well, I can, I can appreciate that point of view in the sense that anybody who is caught an STI may not want the countryside and his wife to know about it. But I can assure people that the clinics are highly confidential and in many cases they they don't even use your name they use a number um and like it's not like it's advertised in the carlo Nationalist that so-and-so is going to the sti clinic and wants to get prep or has an sti that just doesn't happen um i i think you know the staff are fantastic and i think that uh there's rapport build up between the staff and the the users of the clinics and you know over time confidence grows but I think it's really important that we actually have the prep service available in Carlow Town.
0: And in terms of you've made that application to the council, it's been unanimously positively received. What's the next steps from here?
5: Well, the next step is to ensure that the HSE gets uh, a copy of the notice of motion and, in fact, uh, Councillor Arthur MacDonald, who is a member of the the Health Service Executive uh, Consultative Committee uh, that includes Carlow County Council, asked me to email him. Uh, with the motion and an explanation of, uh, of what we, we require, and that he was going to bring it up at the next meeting of the HSE Consultative Board here for the southeast. So I'm delighted to have Arthur's uh, support in that, and you know to have someone pushing from the inside is really helpful. But uh, I think we're going to have to do a little bit of campaigning, and and it's like just don't turn on the tap for a new service very easily. But I think this is an important service. Uh, remember the cost of giving uh, sexually active men who have sex with men uh, giving them PrEP is considerably cheaper than treating somebody who ends up catching HIV Uh, the cost of the entry retrovirals is considerably greater and it's harder on the patient and harder on the HAC system so if you look at this from a preventive point of view it, it makes an awful lot more sense
0: Okay, and in, just finally, in terms of the logistics, would this clinic require its own standalone location, or could it be housed in one of the existing medical service buildings?
5: Well, I would hope that it would be run alongside the the normal STI clinic here in Carlo, in Saint Davids Hospital. So, I, I, the biggest issue here is having a consultant to head it up, so that if there's issues arising from the use of prep, or there's questions about an STI or whatever that there is a consultant available to answer the questions that the patient may need. Um, So it's important that the consultants there, it's important that the staff are trained to deal with uh, gay men and, and to understand where they're coming from. And I think it's also important that the people who are using the clinics are actually open and honest and answer the questions freely uh, by the, the prep clinic staff so again you get a, a better build up and rapport about what's happening and uh, you know changes in, in, in activity become noticed earlier by the HSE so they can prepare new programs for something might be coming down the line
0: Well, it sounds like a sensible move and and good to see that the council have supported the application uh, as you say, uh, unanimously in a positive way. Uh, Councillor William Patton, thanks for your time this morning and uh, best of luck in terms of getting that. Keep abreast of what's going on with it. Hopefully we'll see access to that prep clinic in Carlow um, very, very soon. Councillor Will Patton there joining us this morning on KCLR. It's uh, 22 minutes to 11 o'clock. We're going to take a short break after which we continue our look at KCLR's wedding fair building up this morning. We're going to shine a Lights on a business called Love Letters Event Decor, a company who provides the most important finishing touches to your big day. That's on the way.
2: KCLR live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre, Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See Fairgreen.ie. KCLR.
6: I'm
7: joined by Sharon Dean of Love Letters Event Decor. Welcome along.
6: Thank you very much, and
8: thanks for having me on today.
7: You're going to be showcasing at our wedding evening coming up on the 28th.
8: Yeah, and really looking forward to it. Looking forward to kind of, I suppose, showing the local hotels and local people to around us what we actually have, what we provide and see you know they'll be able to see how unique our pieces are as well
7: tell me a little bit about event decor something that's really taken off over the last few years isn't it
8: it really really has and I think couples probably have wanted to personalise probably their wedding days that little bit more and are looking for decor that kind of I suppose, tells their story and they probably want to invest in pieces that expresses a little bit about what they're all about, I suppose. For instance, we would have the wood and everything would be sustainable. So a lot of people kind of like to connect with that and bring the outdoors into their wedding. Um, You know, other people that might be completely, completely different. What we found this year, is that people are kind of moving away from the traditional classical white you know the kind of very sterilised and they want the more rustic the more you know homely natural feeling kind of brought into the wedding which is fantastic for us
7: Are you seeing more and more couples coming through with a kind of set idea as to what they want the theme of their wedding to be?
8: Yeah absolutely absolutely like I said whether it's nature whether they want a musical team, you know and a lot of them bring their interests into it as well you know it could be records it could be anything at all you know any, any of their interests really can be brought into it which is super
7: What's your own background then Sharon?
8: Nothing got to do with weddings um, I'm a social care worker yeah I, I originally looked into training as a celebrant kind of wanted to take do my other job more part time because I've been doing it quite a while and uh, got, got sidetracked I would have always been creative I would have always done a little bit of upcycling that brought me a lot of joy doing that so even bringing this to couples really kind of brings a joy to me as well to see the finished product to see them happy with it you just can't describe it
7: where did the love of weddings come from then i
8: think it was just looking into the whole whole celebrant side of it i suppose i'd be i would be a people person and i would always enjoy telling people stories
7: there must be something really lovely in working with love
8: absolutely a joyous occasion, it can be very stressful for brides and grooms and I think a part of the decor job as well, is not in our criteria. But sometimes it's just to actually remind the couple, set aside what one moment a week. Wine Wednesdays. Sit down for half an hour. Don't take over your whole week. Sit down for the half an hour, an hour. List what's important to you because it, it's totally consuming. I mean, and it's so overwhelming. There's so much stuff out there now. There's more decor. There's more wedding suppliers than ever before I've noticed since COVID. And it can really, really be overwhelming. And you can kind of lose sight of what the day is really, really all about. And I think it's just breaking it down into separate elements and going, okay, what's important here? What's the budget? You know, go over the budget, go back again. Right, okay, why are we doing this? What's important to us? Just brings you back down to earth. Also on social media, you have Pinterest, you have Instagram, you have Facebook constantly popping up with wedding things and wedding ideas. And then you find yourself comparing and worrying and stuff like that. And what if this isn't good enough and what's that? And and comparison is total teeth of your joy. And sweating about the small stuff and the little imperfections, you just have to embrace it all. So, yeah, I think those little pep talks in between them choosing their decor is really, really important also. So we're kind of like counsellors as well.
7: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You certainly had me there with Wine Wednesdays I can tell you. So from this wedding showcase, you're hoping to meet lots of lovely new couples setting out on the beginning of their journey together, I suppose, as husband and wife or husband and husband or wife and wife. What would you suggest that the couples who come along to the event seek from the night, I suppose, or any kind of top tips or questions that you would ask them to prepare so that they can mm-hmm. get the most from the night?
8: Those for me is have a little bit of homework done before you come. Like I said, what's important? What are you looking for? Don't get sidetracked you know you can come in thinking in idea in one head I want this I want that this is what I want at my wedding and you can go in and be going oh my god but what about this what, what about this and you have to go back again and say okay wh- wh- what are we about as a couple what's our story what's our interest and I think bringing that into your day and uh, I think that's just really important really budget budget is huge um, and I suppose for us we're trying to be as budget conscious about couples as possible because we are sustainable and a lot of the stuff that we have we actually haven't seen anybody else doing we did a show last our very first show last weekend and people were totally blown away by some of our stuff which we're quite rustic chic with our stuff you know, like I said, it's all made from reclaimed wood. So we kind of took a chance on it and and people loved it, which was brilliant. So we're testing the washers ourselves and really knowing as well the ethos behind who you're hiring. What's their story as well? There's a lot of green washing going on there at the minute and where do these products come from? That's what will be important to me mightn't be important to everybody Yes, yeah, they well, may be the important
7: things I think you'll find loads of couples who will really connect with that ethos Sharon where can couples find you aside from um, at our wonderful they, wedding showcase yeah,
8: I'm <laughs> actually really looking forward to it really really am I think it's because it's local as well. For us being sustainable, I suppose, the car local, Kenny Waterford, even works that area. Really, I would rather be our are catchment area, particularly, you know, with carbon footprint and stuff like that. I'd rather supply locally because we would be advising couples, I suppose, shop local as well for everything. So it kind of reduces reduces their carbon footprint. So, we're, you know, we're sticking to our own story also. But, uh, but yeah. Practice uh, what yeah, you preach. On, yeah. So we're on Instagram, and we call Love Letters Event Decor. We are also on Weddings Online. Our profile and some of our pictures are up there as well. Um, so it would be great, you know what I mean, if people wanted to have a quick look at our stuff before they arrive. That would be fantastic. Um, we're based out in Castlecoma Discovery Park, but you'd need—we're not always there. So you'd need to call me,
6: Sharon. Uh, my number is.
2: ACL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlow with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie
0: Yes good morning welcome along Tuesday morning the 12th of September It's my brother's birthday just uh, I did actually remember just before we came on air and sent yeah. my message yeah. but uh, on with the business of the day we've got lots coming your way between now and 12 o'clock Claire Finn and Paul Young from Lighthouse Studios huge animation house here in the County they'll be joining us about 20 past 10 this morning to tell us about Kilkenny animated an event taking place right here in the city between the 29th of September and the 1st of October. Jerry Farrell from Castleview Financial Services. We mentioned yesterday actually that it was the anniversary of 9 11, but Jerry will be taking an overall look at how these massive global events actually affect the pockets of the people on the street. Jerry's here around about 20 to 11. And we've got lots more besides, and we've got, of course, the launch of of the Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce Business Awards. John Hurley is the CEO of Kilkenny Chamber and John Doyle of High Tech Medical um, was last year's winner, um, Business of the Year. High Tech Medical Company run by a family. They'll also be in studio. John will be in studio telling us what the year was like as the Business of the Year and what they've got planned for the year ahead. Will Patton, Councillor Will Patton, Calcarlo County Council, calling on the HSC to set up a prep clinic in Carlow. Uh Will Patton will be joining us around about 25 past 11 this morning. Our free phone number, 1800 90 96 You can text us on the Dinner's Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 Sponsored by Dinner's Ready. And you can email us, as always, live at kclr96fm.com. Do keep those texts and WhatsApps coming in. Great to have you with us. Between now and 12. But first of all, this morning we want to take a look at the, uh, I suppose, what is a continuing story around CAMS because over half a million. Oh, sorry, over half of the children and young people referred to the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services are refused access in certain parts of the country and unfortunately for our region here which covers Carlow, Kilkenny, Celtic Waterford and Wexford that has had the highest refusal rates well, last year more than 51% of its referrals turned down Joining me in studio to discuss this more Sinn Féin CD, Kathleen Funchin. Good morning Kathleen Great to have you in as always. Um, some stark figures again in relation to yeah. CAMS.
9: Yeah, and I think those of us that have been following the, the CAMS situation in one way won't be surprised. Um, I think what happens is peer, parents experience is that basically they get a letter saying that your child, while they might be having some issues or difficulties, um, or anxiety, that it doesn't kind of meet the threshold, let's say, for CAMS, And to be honest, I mean, it might sound a bit cynical, but I think most people would agree that it seems like that's their way of getting their waiting list down. So we know that 51 percent last year of the children that were referred in this region, in the CHO 5 region, um, were not seen. They were refused. Mm. And so far this year, which I think is even more worrying, is that figure is 54 yeah. percent. And we're only into the middle of September. So um and that last year we had the highest rate in the country so obviously we're going to be going towards that situation again and I think it's very very frustrating for parents because it's very difficult to know what to do and most people their first port of call is the GP and then the GP makes the referral onto CAMS and then first of all for for anyone who's ever gone through um the follow up kind of application process, the paperwork and the stuff that you have to go through is very intense and can be very difficult for parents and very daunting. There's no real support with that. And then you get a letter to say, sorry, your child isn't going to be seen. But, you know, they, they there's very little what w- what happens next. And yep. at the end of the day, like, you know, I just t- took down the actual number because that was two thousand and thirty-eight children we're talking about, mm. like everyone we're talking about here is under the age of 18. And out of that two thousand and thirty eight, one thousand and forty eight were not seen. Yeah, so we, I mean, we definitely need serious reform in this sector.
0: It, it, the the figures—I tend to be a bit nerdy when it comes to figures. I was looking at them yesterday, and, and the figures compiled by the HSC, as you said, show that in 2020, around twenty eight percent of the seventeen and a half thousand approximately children and adolescents referred to CAMS were turned down. Yeah. Uh, by last year, the refusal rate had increased to forty percent. This is nationally. And nationally. We're not talking yeah. about specifically to this region here. Um, Eight thousand six hundred and seventy-six of the twenty-one thousand children referred to the local CAM services being refused. So far, as you said, this year more than four thousand three hundred children have been refused, and it was that word, refused. Yeah. That's what got me sort of digging a little bit deeper because if you went to the hospital or brought your child along with a sick tummy they wouldn't be refused treatment. Yeah. Um, it's important to understand though that uh, looking at the HSE's website they say the following, there are many issues that can cause distress like learning problems, social problems, behavioural problems and health problems. There are many services available to respond to these issues for young people and their parents, like community and and their parents like community psychological services, Tusla, the National Educational Psychological Services, and local family resource centres. So they're basically saying, as you point they're out, passing
9: the book, really. Yeah. So to be honest, in that situation, because but is it is it, okay? You're yeah. saying
0: they're passing the book Yeah. They're saying that they're there to deal with medium to severe issues and many of the issues presented are not either yeah. medium but or severe.
9: When you're a parent um, dealing with a child in that situation and then you're told there's these services. First of all, you might not have a family resource centre in your area. Let's say you're living out in the middle of rural Kilkenny or rural Carlo and you don't have access to a family resource centre. That's, that's um, one point to make on that. Tusla, uh, I don't know any parent uh, with all due respect to TUSLA that would voluntarily contact TUSLA and say, "Can I get help here?" Because there is a fear there in relation to, and they, the, some of the work they do is fantastic around family support, but it's not also readily available. You have to be in a certain type of a crisis situation to get some of that support. I know some of the psychology services they're talking about, and some of those are drop-in, um, uh, kind of, kind of nearly a group situation, mm. and it's for parents to get skills. That's not necessarily appropriate for the child in that situation. You know, there could be a slight breakdown between the relationship and child and parent like the child's voice is important in all this. And also for a lot of parents, they don't want to go into those type of a group setting, particularly in your local area, and they feel they shouldn't feel like this but they might feel that everyone is sort of analyzing this so if if cams if they're saying that genuinely they think 51 percent of children don't need don't require their level of intervention yeah. why not actually pin, get in contact with that parent phone them up and say here's a number or here's a contact or i've gotten on to x or y or z service and they're going to be contacting you because it's more appropriate I mean, sending out a a letter like that would like, here's a list of things you might be able to do to a parent that's already, I can tell you now, pulling their hair out because they're so worried and stressed and anxious for their child. Like that's not necessarily that's not the right response in my opinion if they were genuinely feel that those 51% of children don't actually require their services well then why not actually find the service and pinpoint it in the right direction and say you know this is actually who you need to contact or we've gotten on to X or Y and they're going to be contacting you because there's a number of things uh, points here I wanted to make like Because, you know, I really do believe in being solution focused. It's very easy just to have a go and be critical. It is also important for parents who are listening, who uh, are going through this, I think, to a certain extent, to feel a bit vindicated because they're not imagining this. This is a really difficult and and we're in a crisis situation with it. But there is solutions. So the Mental Health Commission are like the body charged, which I suppose, looking at all aspects of mental health. And they've made 49 really good recommendations for the CAM sector. However, they're not, there's no sort of legal follow-up for that. So we need legislation in order to ensure that the, the recommendations of the Mental Health Commission um, would be followed up. And that's something that we published this summer, Sinn Féin, yeah. um, legislation. And hopefully then, uh, with the job being back next week, we'll see support for that because some of their recommendations are around you know, like development, um, developing incentives about how to retain staff, how to recruit staff about around the dual diagnosis issue, because a lot of parents will know if your child is aut- autism or ADHD, you're automatically referred back to, to the disability services. It's like they can't imagine that so you might is, be having anxiety like as well. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, th- and there's some other stuff around, like, you know, having kind of community hubs um, that, like, so that so we wouldn't get to, I suppose, the point where you, you might have to go into an okay. actual service. So the
0: other thing that, that struck me from the figures as well is children are children.
9: Yeah. When
0: you take a big enough sample, you'd expect that the averages across the country, g- given their circumstances and their conditions, would be fairly similar. But we've got huge disparity across the country in yeah. terms of the number of children who are refused access. You would think, on the laws of averages, that shouldn't be the case. Why do you think that's happening?
9: And that's another part of the problem that it seems to depend on. For example, some CHOs might have. Their it was described yesterday compliment. as a postcode lottery. Yeah, exactly, and we see that all the time, particularly with children with additional needs. By the way, that seems that's primarily uh, that's one of the major issues. But it's like, for example, some of the CHOs, like let's say, for example, the one in the West might have their its full staff complement, whereas we here in CHO Five might not have the the full staff that that's needed. So that's why we're saying we need this legislation to kind of ensure that it's fair across the board and that it's based on need. And also some of the really good recommendations that the Mental Health Commission come up with can be implemented. And like it's not all uh, like it's not rocket science here. You know, some of the stuff is really, Mm -hmm. really practical. And I also think there's a need to like what you were saying there about joined up thinking and joined up sort like I think there needs to be a little bit more integration with the schools and the education system. Um, I know like there's, there's various levels when a child needs the intervention of CAMS, And I know some children might need to actually go in and be an, an inpatient. But I think there's a lot that we could prevent as well if there was a bit more joined up thinking with schools around well-being, mental health awareness. Uh, you know, there's a really, really good program called the School Completion Programme it's in desh schools and it's in it's in some other schools as well we've a great program here in Kenny and they can sometimes get access to counseling in the form of either play therapy or then yeah. as a child grows up you know they need different types of counseling but not all schools have that and they're operating on a shoestring budget so if we know that for example cams is under serious pressure why not help resource some of the other sectors as well and, and kind of let's sit down and see how can we come up with solutions here in the interim like can we resource the school completion programme more to be able to assist more children Is that not going I mean? to further
0: cloud though the the waters around where people go for, for help and support I mean CAMS is set up to deal with those who have those higher end needs Yeah. Um, and obviously that comes with a level of skill a level of training to be able yeah, to do and I can, I can sort of see to a certain point whereby you know we've got this this rainbow of needs that every child has and mm. you you know, not every organisation is there to help everybody on the rainbow. But I even think the structures around not having a centralised referral system, yeah, first of all. really bad, yeah. Because you, that's where you get the nuances of different individuals. And why did my child get it, but yet my cousin's child in yeah. County Cavan um, hasn't gotten it? Centralise the referral
9: system. Yeah,
0: 100%. Resource it a lot better. These are all issues at a governmental level they are not about the CAM services. Where do you think we've got the failing? We've got a a press release in from, uh, you know, (laughs) we'll we'll read that in a minute but Minister Butler launches new HSE National Youth Health Office, we'll we'll come to talk about that in a moment. How has CAMS been set up? Has it been set up in an inefficient way that allows for all that sort of diversity of referral?
9: Can I just say as well, Brian that it is important to say those working in the sector must must be like be under serious pressure Mm. and it's no reflection on anybody and their work and and how they're trying to do their job I imagine the the morale must be very low basically you're you're right like that's some of the recommendations that the mental health commission have pointed to that like it does need to be a centralized system that it shouldn't be you know like for just exactly what you said why is a child in x part of the country getting it but a child in the southeast is not getting it and then also the funding comes into it like is each region being funded adequately and fairly. So that's why it does need to be centralised. That's why, And that's why we do need the, the legislation. And I would hope, given that this is such an important, important topic... I would is CAMS directly funded from HSE? It is, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the HSE is already talking about, what, being 200 two million? Bill, I think it's 2 billion. 2 billion over budget?
9: I, I'm open to correction on that, but I think yeah, it's 2 billion. Yeah.
0: It's, it's certainly a, a department that needs proper funding, that's yeah. that's for sure. But,
9: but also as well, I think that we need to look at how the resources... Are, are being spent as well and you know because there's a lot of things that people will tell you in their experience could change and and I know what you're saying around um, like muddy in the waters but I do think that we do when it comes to to children we need to look because so much of their life is in school as well and that's, that school plays such a big role I think we do need to be a little bit more joined up with, with that system Yeah, you know um, because
0: when you actually look at the, the HSE criteria there the, the are Quite, I'm sure people would say there's not enough services out there but there's certainly enough organisations out there offering services when you when you look at the HSE website it actually refers to all of those different organisations that offer help and support as you said TUSLA you've also got the National Education Psychological Service and you've got the Local Family Resource Centres along of course with CAMS. and we were well, referring so people to the wrong place in the, the, the first national place
9: National Education Psychological Service that's then as uh, parents will know it as NEPs mm. that's if you were possibly waiting on um, um, an assessment in school for your child. Most schools get two to three assessments a year. There's no way they're going to be able to see up to fifty-one percent. Okay, so n- now we're getting to the number you know. of the problem, I think. Yeah.
0: Which is that these services, all of them, including yeah. CAMS are underfunded. Yeah. And what they're all trying to do, it appears, is as you said earlier on, pass the book, get get kids out of the waiting list for this service. On t- do they all need to be overhauled?
9: Well, I do. I definitely think we have a serious issue with, with staffing. We don't we know like, we, we, it's another conversation we've had in this not having the, the correct amount of staff in the disability network here in Car Local Kenny for children. So definitely staffing is a major, major issue. And I think we need to show everything that we can possibly throw at trying to recruit and retain staff in terms of, you know, going in and speaking to, to schools, trans recruiting people directly from college the offer of a job straight away because we do actually need and then they also need to look at um you know these exit interviews when people are leaving and to try to try and find out exactly what the issues are and how can we retain staff uh, that's one of the other things yeah. to keep. I know I keep going back to it, but just about incent, you know, to incentivise how you retain staff in each individual CHO area because it might be different. You know, for From example, it, area, you know, uh, a rural area, you mightn't have the same pressures. on have same problem, with, yeah, same problem you know? with,
0: the, with the teachers, for example, at the moment. Let's just tell them, uh, tell our listeners, um, Minister Butler. Just yesterday launches a new HSE National Youth Mental Health Office. For the first time in the history of the state, there is now there is now a dedicated National Youth Mental Health Office in the HSE. The new office will improve leadership, um, op- operational oversight, and management of all services delivery and improvements related to mental health. Um, What's your thoughts on that from from Minister Butler?
9: um, I just see in this press release that uh, she says it will provide for coordinated input across service, legislative and policy development. So if it does um, provide the legislation, because that's what we're missing here in terms of accountability. There's no accountability because the legislation, there's no legal requirement as such. So I think if it provides that, great. Um, I welcome anything that will change this service for children, because I think it's devastating and heartbreaking to see children go waiting maybe, uh, you know, months and months. And then finally they're told, sorry, you're not being seen by this service. And like that's that, that time in a child's life is invaluable, you know, and the the impact that has. So if this works, I welcome it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do think uh, and I hope it's not a situation where it just sounds like a great you know, the cynic in me would say it sounds like some shiny new idea, but is it really going to work? Yeah, I, d- d- I do think like we, we do need that that legislation to pass, and then we need to ensure like that there is that national, you know, so that it's not it's not dependent on where you're living, that because you're in the southeast you're not going to be forgotten about, and then um. And the, I, mean, the, I do think community hubs I think are are really good in terms of people being able to children being able to access um intervention like we talk about so much, but early intervention, not just in, in terms of anyone with an additional need, but early intervention in any sort of a problem in any if anyone is experiencing anything and you get counselling as early into that issue or problem it all, it has a, a better impact.
0: Yeah. Text in from a listener um, it says Hi Brian and Kathleen I think you're co-hosting the show yeah, now. Um, CAMS simply isn't fit for purpose I had to I won't read the whole text it's quite long I, I had to fight to get my child seen um, with them a few years ago uh, she was quickly discharged back to primary care and then on to CDNT that's the Children's Disability yeah. Network teams uh, the way to be assessed everywhere was exhaustive and um, I was lucky to be able to get pri- go down the private route and, and are now under the care of VHI recently we had to be referred back to cams for primary care as my child is medicated and primary care can't see a medicated child cams has refused to take my child as she is under private care so unless we leave private care we can't get access to cams and then there's a very aggressive disgruntled emoji after that
9: yeah but there's a perfect example of that that is like where like how on earth can they not can primary care not be allowed to see a child like if there's if there's medication involved and that's all being obviously done correctly like mm. that that doesn't there's I can imagine the frustration of that parent because there is zero common sense being applied uh, The next line she says is
0: we're caught between a rock and a hard place where essentially the HSE are refusing to care for my child because I'm a private healthcare uh, using private healthcare as a crutch where they the HSE have let me down So you've got somebody there who's probably financially stretching themselves to try and have that private healthcare because the state healthcare can't supply what they need and now when the private healthcare can't do everything it's just a mess and, and that
9: happens a lot for children's services because even when people might be able to access private care and it's so expensive like even assessments can be anywhere up to 2000 euro um, but even when they can afford it it's not always available for, for children's services the the private care but yeah. that's that's a total failure for the child and that, par- that parent I mean I was,
0: you chair a lot of committees in this area yeah. uh, and at the moment, I, I don't want to turn this into a, a, a political cockfight Mm -hmm. right but if you got the opportunity where would you start with this whole approach to children's mental health does the whole thing need to be overhauled and rebuilt from the ground up or is the structure close enough to be
9: I would start see this is the thing right so much of this work has already been done like in terms of that report the mental health commission i would start with their 49 recommendations and that legislation to underpin to ensure those recommendations could be could be made that's that's exactly where i'd start so it's not like Every, all, every, we have to kind of start at the very start and nobody knows what to do here like there's some really good strong recommendations and if it was underpinned by legislation it puts the pressure on that that has to be done and So I it's think, the lack
0: of legislation that's that's. that's well
9: reported. it's not just that sorry it's the lack of legislation right now in terms of the urgency but over years I would say investment and it's cutbacks I think in lots of sectors uh, we are paying for the cuts that were made in 2008, 2009 you know where we cut back in occupational therapists speech and language language mm. and now we're scrambling to try and get all those roles filled so ultimately it's under investment over the years but now we're at this stage where i think we need the, the pressure of legislation but it needs to be um that the kind of national like that everyone regardless of where you're living but i think the, that that report uh, on the, men, the mental health commission is excellent and they have so many good suggestions in that yeah. that you could uh you could start implementing you're not going to be able to do anything overnight but if they if they would at least accept those recommendations and say we're starting and we're implementing X, Y and Z this year and then how many like you know even to pick two years and, and implement them over that, that okay. period of time.
0: Kathleen um, Fungi before I let you go um, just to ask your your, your thoughts on Mihal Martin's comments that um, will they? Won't they? Maybe they will? Maybe they won't? And it's the media that's pushing um, Sinn, yeah. Sinn Féin into government.
9: I, s- I thought that was very funny. Um,
0: He's good at the old jokes sometimes Yeah, he? yeah.
9: I did. I thought that was funny in relation to the comments about the media and and how I think I think he said the media were saying it was a done deal. But sure, those of us involved in politics, as I often say on this program, never. No, it's never a done deal. I think he is um, probably afraid to fully rule out any sort of a co- future coalition because he doesn't know like what, where that will leave them. But it's hard to know what's going to happen it's it's all to play for as they say yeah I think that's the
0: line that mehol Martin used as well oh
9: gosh oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're talking in
0: step with Micheál Martin Kathleen Fungeon uh, from Sinn Féin uh, TD uh, thanks for your time this morning thanks as always much, and um, if anybody's got any thoughts on that camp situation or other stories like that listener sent us in a few moments ago Oh wait, three three oh six nine six nine six. our dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line here stay with us because in a couple of moments time we'll be talking to Claire Finn and Paul Young um, of Lighthouse Studios the world of animation, almost centering around Kilkenny City, will be getting their thoughts on a, a fabulous event coming up towards the end of this one. Stay here. Uh, I'm with you right away through
2: till 12. KCLOR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie.
0: KCLR. K- 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 You're very welcome back to KCLR Live. 29 minutes past 10 o'clock this morning, 083 306 9696. Uh, we've gone from all things political to all things creative because I'm join- joined in studio now by uh, Claire Finn and Paul Young. Claire is from Lighthouse Studios. Paul is from Cartoon Saloon, two of the biggest animation studios. I-, I think we can say globally at this stage because with all the awards and everything else that you've all received um, over the last number of years, uh, it's definitely warranted. You're both very welcome. Great to well, have thanks you in. Like yeah, yeah. Wise, yeah but okay, you, you've already safe. gotten it. You don't need to take it from me. You know, <laughs> some of the biggest TV and movie awards in the world have landed here in Kilkenny over the last few years. Um, Claire, talk to me first of all about how in name did Kilkenny end up being such a centre for the world of animation?
1: Well, I'd say actually Paul might be better to actually talk about that thing is <laughs> he's actually responsible for it because he's from Cartoon Saloon and we are brother and sister yeah. studio. But, Paul, would you like to. Well, get your it, you know,
10: because Tom, like I, Cartoon Saloon was set up uh, with Tom Moore, Nora Toomey and myself Yeah, and we both met, we all met in in college in Dublin, in Ballyfermot and Tom is from here. Tom Moore so we had space with young Irish filmmakers which is still on the go and I'm happy to say my daughter's going to join this year <laughs> only 10. but that is was an amazing organisation for them when they were kids young Irish filmmakers which has spawned a load of amazing actors directors people in film all over the world now as well mm. actually and uh, so so uh, There was six we had Michael Kelly gave us some space. So when we left college, it was brilliant to come down here and have free studio space, I think for a whole summer or six months to start working on what became The Secret of Kells Mm. as our first film. So that's really how it started. We didn't imagine we'd be here still. We thought we might make that movie, maybe something else. But the company just grew and we stayed in Kilkenny and it wound up being brilliant for us and our company to be here. Yeah. And
0: it's brilliant for the city to have you here because we've been out and about as we often are around the centre of Kilkenny and coffee shops are full with people who are working in the world of animation it's it's a great synergy in terms of like you know, a Kenny man you know as many of them do go oh that looks like a good idea we'll try and drag it down to Kilkenny, and yeah. that that sort of synergy between the industry and the city um, yeah, and yeah. we're working very very well.
1: I think it's wonderful because you know between our two studios we have like such a large crew from all over the world and I think that really adds a Dynamism, which is, is just like uh, you know, adds to the city. You know, it's just wonderful to see all the crew around, especially with all their hoodies.
0: Here's one before I get into all of the stuff that you've got coming up, I, I'm interested. Is there much competition? Like, let's say there's a big movie producer spotted around Kilkenny City floating around. Are you looking at one another across the city walls going, Has he gone into that office? Is he going over there? There, mu- there must be a certain amount of that goes on. Um,
10: well, so That there means there? yes. The, yeah. the well, no, there's there's a bit of co opetition which <laughs> oh, is co Yeah, nice well, well, well well the thing is, the studio Lighthouse Studio is owned partly by Cartoon Saloon ah. and Lighthouse I'm sorry, Mercury Filmworks in Canada. So like the reason Lighthouse started in a way is because I was feeling we were a bit lonely in <laughs> and we needed another studio because we were the only game in town for animators. And so, Mercury Studios, this Canadian studio, wanted to set up in Europe and encouraged them to set up in Kenny. Mm. And then they tried that. And then the guy who was going to set it up wanted to move back to Canada. So he asked, can we do a joint venture? So that's kind of how Lighthouse started. Yeah. So we help each other. Yeah. So the great thing is, is that Lighthouse does a very particular type of thing, and we do quite a different sort of thing as well. So we're complementary. And so that, and we try to sort of help great create work for b- all the animators that we've brought down. Yeah, we try I think us.
1: that's where we collaborate even though we're working in slightly different pipelines and so I would say, you know, Cartoon uh, Cartoon Saloon are very auteur driven and we are sort of more agnostic. We are we really have a quite broad slate in terms of like we don't have a particular house style. Yeah. So we want to attract I suppose actually that kind of yeah. Uh, it like allows Bob's us to Burgers. attract, yeah, yeah to, uh, like a broad sense, broad, much broader uh, type of, you know, animator, or person working in the animation industry. So we're not honed into only one type of thing. So we do kind of kids, adults, you know, we've done Cup of Chil- We have Bob's Burgos, um, we're just doing Rick and Morty right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're so about to do a religious film, like we're doing all kinds of different sort of things. And, yeah. and, and, and we're yeah.
10: quite focused on the feature film on our own yeah. IP yeah yeah well yeah. we're just starting our own ip
0: as well oh yeah in, in. it's about to kick off it's <laughs> about to kick off the world of animation is going to uh, come to blows here in kclr studio this morning uh we're talking to two of the biggest business and creative leaders here in kenny City, claire finn uh, of lighthouse studios and paul young of cartoon saloon we're going to take a short break if you guys are okay to stay with us for a few minutes because i want to give a bit of time to think talk and discuss um, of all the different um, projects that you guys have coming up and how you've come together to collaborate with Kenny Animated and everything else. It's uh, 25 minutes to 11 o'clock. Uh, it's Brian Redman. We're with you this morning until
2: 12. KCLR Live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie
6: kcl
0: you're very welcome back to Casey KCLR this morning. We're joined in studio by Claire Finn and Paul Young from Lighthouse Studios slash Cartoon Saloon. We'll, we'll say it like that so that we don't encourage the competition. Kilkenny Animated is coming up between the 29th of September and the 1st of October. There's a huge amount of stuff taking place over those few days, Claire, and a lot of it aimed at young up and coming Irish children who may have just a passing interest or maybe animation is all they want to do give us a bit of an oversight as to what's included in the event schedule
1: yep so this year we're super excited we have chosen the theme sound of animation and so it's everything related to sound so audio, music foley etc um, so we have a number of different things going on we've got workshops for children of all different ages so if you take a look at the website so it's called uh, com, and you will see that we have um, a workshop even for kids as young as two to five, which is sort of live scoring event, um, We also have workshops that are sketching tours. We have a Foley workshop for kids. We also have then a thing which we're calling Pathways to Animation. And that's for kids who are in high school who may be interested in pursuing a um, course in one of the colleges around the country. So some of the colleges have come down and they will present workshops. For instance, there's a making a music video workshop and they are some of those workshops are free so people can look at the at the at the website and check out those. And we also have a grad hub where students who in the sort of college end of things can come and see some of the grad films that have come out this year and also workshops aimed at sort of professional or um, semi-professional students who are still in college or just finished college that will sort of further their education around sort of audio post or composing for animation um, and yeah, a variety of, of quite a variety. I
0: I think the most fun um, element of the audio landscape that goes with uh, all movies not just animated yeah. folio Oh yeah great just making noises yeah. with yeah, stuff yeah. in the background and one like, of the fir- I
10: one of the first films we made Nora's from Darkness I was doing the fo- Foley with a guy and we just discovered in the making of it that if you twist a leather glove, it sounds like snow, footprints in the snow. Which that's we mad. Was. So we did some foley ourselves <laughs> in the bathtub, with a <laughs> <the laughs> microphone and twisted a, a leather glove, which sounded like snow. So that, there'll be a bit of that. There'll well, be. Well, we do have actually
1: quifa Doyle, who is coming down. She's actually Ireland's most celebrated foley artist, and she has a company called the Foley Lab, and we're going to run a masterclass on that for people who are, say, directors or um, people who are in the industry from all around the. Country country who would like to take part in understanding more about you know audio and foley in partic- particular mm. but we actually have two of the lads from Cartoon Saloon running a foley workshop for younger people sort of sort of 7 to 12 so that would also be fun so yeah. it, we're definitely running things for all ages and across all well, you can
0: see that You can see that because you can imagine young children coming down and enjoying the fun of, of making noises and, and then the real I can, I can see their faces the realisation that that leather glove does actually sound like snow yeah. um, <laughs> and they go wow you know that's amazing but as you said you've got some fairly um, high end stuff as well you know with those um, uh, third level for secondary school students all that type of thing in there as well so there's something really in this weekend for, for everybody yeah, really Yeah
10: and and music lovers because as well because it's very focused on we try each year to focus it on a particular thing or at least that's our agenda for the next while is to try and focus on one part of the filmmaking process or the animation process and so it's all to do with the sound so it's the sound of animation so like we have uh, we have got the Screen Composers Guild. We're mm. going to be working with. They are actually coming down, doing one of their workshops with emerging composers. And you can book a session where you'll watch them create a piece of music, or watch how that works. Like you're going to you're going to witness kind of a workshop or the process of somebody uh, somebody will have briefed them on an animation thing and by the end of the day or it's the day after, they're coming yeah. with a finished pieces that people can hear yeah. based on the brief that we're given. So that'll it's be really interesting for people.
0: When we watch as um, cinema goers, movie goers, whatever context in which you absorb that media, when we watch, we experience the whole thing seamlessly. That's mm-hmm. the aim of, of, of great movie and animation producers. And I think, like for example when children go to the National Concert Hall around about Christmas and see the snowman but have the concert orchestra there seeing yeah. these elements brings them so much more to life and i think it's great for children and, and, and people of all ages to get involved and to see that and it's going to be very much there for the multiple experience that weekend claire
1: yes and we have actually a few we've got a the kelkenny premiere of a new film that's come out called the inventor and that's actually a really lovely one for families also with where the um composer will or the director will be there with the person who worked on the composition plus also the um, post uh, mm. person for a uh, discussion afterwards. Um, we also will have things for everyone to come to like Keela are playing on yep. Friday night.
10: And they, yeah, they 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 do a kind of medley of music and vision because like, mm. they soundtracked, they worked on the soundtracks of most of our movies, three of our movies from Wolf Walkers back to Secret of Cows and Song of the Sea. So they, and, and also some music videos in Irish that we've done in the past. So they, that'll be a lovely concert of picture and live sound yeah. where mm-hmm. Kilo will do a kind of medley of some of the stuff we've done on the path and uh, things like that. and then we'll have like a whole making of I directed this um, one of the Star Wars shorts uh, for Lucasfilm that's on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and we're having three of those movies we're going to screen which each director talking about the making of them afterwards so like they're about 10 minutes each and this will be on the Sunday it's like an, a nearly a three hour programme mm-hmm. um, which I think will be great in the Watergate where you'll see Uh, each director of the three of the shorts from the series the Star Wars Visions talking about the making of the films and then we'll bring in um, Mac from uh, Sky Sound Mac Smith who uh, Sky Sound is the premier kind of in the world sound studio that, that everybody goes to in the middle of Lucas Valley we're in, on Lucas on George Lucas's ranch
0: oh. which which I got to go to which is Oh amazing. don't start now showing off <laughs> But
10: it is But you
0: didn't name drop in the same it, way did Yeah you? I did I completely <laughs> name dropped yeah. I got
10: chased by the turkeys which I there's wild turkeys on the ranch and I got chased one early on but he's a, he's great He's he'll come and talk about what Sky Sound do like that whole facility which is amazing they kind of pioneered so much stuff when it's to sound um, you know like Star Wars uh, 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 you know like when you think about sound if people don't know the lasers that come out of the guns in Star Wars what makes them and how it was a guy he discovered uh, Burke oh I'm forgetting his first name he's a very famous sound engineer who were trying to get over actually that as well, maybe time. yeah it was a pylon electrical pylons oh. with a with a wrench You hit the (laughs) pylons, you know that sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the sound. That's the sound of laser guns. So it's those kind of stories.
0: Yeah, love all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's a huge program of events, and I know we have a few other bits and pieces to talk about. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'll do a folio artist thing here. That's me scrolling in the background. (laughs) There's tons of events taking place, but you can find out all the information on them simply by visiting kennyanimated.com and all the events are on there. But you did mention at the start of our chat that that you're doing something or we're doing something with you or you're doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to be in the know. What's that all about? So
1: we're doing actually. like we're doing right now what you're doing as a job and what we're doing at the moment is what, what how do you become a, folio, uh, a voiceover artist so we actually have Louise Kylie, who's again Ireland's premier uh, voiceover casting agent and she's going to come down to Kilkenny and with a director from Lighthouse Studios, Jilly Fogg, We're, we've set up a session where you can try out to be a voiceover artist for the day. So we have um, that we will have create a small ad and everybody will get a chance to work in pairs. We will um, direct, we will cast um, and we will give everybody the recording at the end of the day and the winner who we've deemed maybe who's done the voiceover we'll take that ad and we're going to put it on KCLR and you will very kindly be airing it for the week and we're going to do it <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll probably do it around PAWS, the animal rescue so we're Excellent. doing goodness all round yeah, for yeah, putting yeah, it yeah, in to yeah, support yeah, PAWS yeah. you're a wonderful organisation down there in uh, Mullinahon.
0: It sounds like a fabulous industry to work in Paul
10: uh, Yeah, yeah it is it's it is great I mean it combines great thing about animation It's hard, like, it's quite complicated making any animated film because there's so many moving parts, but you get to use everything. So, like, the careers in animation are both artistic and visual, sound, as we're focusing on Mm. for this festival, there's production, there's people, we've got people working in legal, we've got people working in finance, we got... So it, it combines, as an art form, it combines acting and music and drawing and almost like a cinematography, but you're kind of drawing it.
0: People don't realise how many people are behind the scenes. I mean, mm-hmm. regular listeners know I'm involved in a small little TV show. There's 120 people on the crew yes. to produce two hours of live TV. I can't imagine what a crew, you know, for, yes. for, for some of these events that you guys are working yeah, on. Well,
10: on a, on a feature film, you can get up to about 250 to 300 over the c- course of like two years or, yeah. or so, just getting the film made on a TV series. That's why the credits are so long. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and dogs and production babies. It takes so long. People have babies in the middle of from stuff from the start yeah, of a film it's to It's a end.
1: slow process. Can,
0: can yeah. I ask for, as a parent, to the world of animation? Because you're my own channel to the world of animation. And um, when we go to the cinema, as the movie or the animation starts, could you tell us at the beginning, this movie contains a post-credit scene. Because oh. the amount of time my kids will not <laughs> let me move out of the seat until the last credit yeah. has rolled. There's got to be post-credit. There's got to be post-credit. Yeah, the, I, the
10: animation that really happens <laughs> because it... Cost so much money to animate anything. You're not going to like leave it to chance for somebody to see it <laughs> to the end. It's, I think Marvel movies kind of started that one with, yeah, or something. It became you have to watch yeah. it out for it in
0: Marvel. Yeah, the amount of my life I've spent watching, and maybe I should stay in the cinema to watch the credits well, to give credit. It is.
10: A, it does encourage people to watch the credits and yeah.
0: see all those wonderful people who made it. Well, it's a sound like uh, it's first of all great to see such a thriving industry here in the city of Kenny. Oh, yeah. It's it's second of all great to see the industry both from Lighthouse Studios and Cartoon Saloon doing so much for the community as well. And Kilkenny Animated, as you said, coming between the 29th of September and the 1st of October. It looks like a fantastic programme of events everybody can check it out live on air um, thanks so much for your time this morning uh, Claire Finn from Lighthouse Studios and Paul Young from Cartoon Saloon for joining us and we'll have full details of that opportunity for people to get involved here and possibly voice an ad for KCLR in the days weeks and time ahead it's uh, 13 minutes to 11 o'clock we're going to change tack after this ad break we'll be talking about how Global events affect the pound, shillings, and pence in your pockets. Do stay tuned.
2: KCLR live, with thanks to Fair Green Shopping Centre, Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See Fairgreen by E.
0: KCLR. You're welcome back to KCLR this morning. Twelve minutes to uh, eleven o'clock. It's important to get the time right. I don't always manage to do that, but I have done so this morning. Jerry Farrell is in studio. Good morning, Jerry.
3: Hey, Brian, good morning. Good morning to the listeners. Did you enjoy that chat about animation? I did, actually, and I'm working really desperately hard on my voice now to see (laughs) if there's a a casting role for Jerry
0: Farrell. Well, Jerry Farrell, I I think I have the perfect role for you. You know, at the end of a radio ad where they do all the terms and conditions, (laughs) blah, 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 I think that'd be perfect for you. I
3: I just think, keep it really shortened to the point (laughs) uh, and you'll keep people with you.
0: Well, that's the aim, keeping people with us. Listen, um it is the 12th of September today the, it was the 11th of the 9th yesterday we mentioned the fact that it was the anniversary of nine 22 years ago um, almost 3,000 people lost their lives in that tragedy in uh, the Big Apple um, but the impact of nine eleven was more than just on those individuals the families the people that were there on the day it had global ramifications for probably years afterwards how do these massive global events affect the pound shillings and pence as I've been putting it all morning in my pocket
3: yeah it's a brilliant it's a brilliant question and, and it is timely you're right 22 years on Brian and I was taking a look at this and so in the week of 9-11 obviously the US stock market closed more or less for the entire rest of that week uh, following the events of that morning and when they reopened the markets in the first full day, uh, and some avid listener will probably correct me now, but the um, the main New York stock exchange collapsed by over 7% in, in a day, um, and the NASDAQ, which is the technology stocks um, primarily, um, uh, stock exchange, collapsed by about 14% within that 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 first full week of trading. So, what we saw was well over a trillion dollars of assets wiped out of people's, particularly pension funds, in a very very short space of time. Say that what again. T- well over a trillion dollars of of assets in pension and other I always get confused with this, funds. Jerry. How many billions are in a trillion? It's a billion billion. Brian. A billion billion. Yeah, so It's a lot of money. When when you have presidents of America talking about their trillion dollar. Um, budgets, um, but that's a story for a different day. But uh, but I suppose what we're talking about really is massive events on a global scale and what impact they have, as you correctly say, on the pounds, shillings and pence for all of us. And what we can see is um, history is peppered with a series of significant events. Uh, and what triggered it in my mind this week was the fact that yesterday was the anniversary of 9-11. But even if we look beyond that, from that period of time to now, we've had a series of crises. So if we take the Irish situation, so of course we were affected by by 9-11 of course we were the rest of the world was too and when the US market is affected everybody is affected because it is the bulwark of the world economy and it continues to be and some would argue that it will continue to outstrip China for, for, for many years to come again that's an argument for another day but mm. so so we take so that's 9-11 that's 22 years ago Brian uh, and it's taken us a number of years to uh, or sorry it, markets bounce back pretty resiliently actually in or 2 or 3 4 and then we had a bit of a um, uh, 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 I guess a purple patch certainly in Ireland in the early noughties up until about 2008 and then we had a global recession and many people of a similar age to myself and perhaps yourself and maybe a little bit younger and a little bit old, older will remember that because you know, I heard Kathleen Function talking this morning and we're still paying the price for some of the cutbacks that we had to endure um, during that period uh, from 08 to '11. so so what, what we're saying is that history is peppered with significant events. So th- we move on from there and we had, uh, uh, no sooner had we begun to sort out our economic wars in 11, 12, 13, 14 in this country, than our nearest neighbour decided to exit the EU. Yeah. And that created another <laughs> crisis, uh, existential crisis, in fact. And we're seven years on from that and that still hasn't been resolved and we're still dealing with that crisis and then then obviously we move on and we had Covid and it was another existential world crisis
0: I mean it, with, not just within your own lifetime Jerry, but I mean looking back as much as we can within history have you ever known a period um, of 20 odd years now consistently whereby there have been these large I mean Brexit was sort of global but maybe not quite but certainly as far as the Ireland's economic Criteria, sort of uh, landscape, um, goes. It was global as far as we were concerned. Nine um, eleven, you know, financial crash in around the sort of, sort of time. Um, Brexit. COVID, war in Ukraine, has there ever been a period or are we just forgetting with the passage of time?
3: So so there's a couple of things to point out I think we are forgetting with the passage of time I, I think for sure because with the passage of time, events are reported more, in much more detail and more up to date immediately than ever mm. before, so we're living through the events, all of us more than ever before, say in our parents' or grandparents' time, so that's the first thing The second thing that must be reiterated, and I guess this is the point of my conversation in this space, Brian, is no matter what we seem to face, um, we see that markets and markets are made up of ordinary people and some extraordinary people. Uh, in terms of um, uh, investment markets, bond markets, corporate and government bond markets, stand the test of time. Yeah, they've been around for. Decades, hundreds of years, in fact, in some cases, and they've gone through all of and more of the crises we've spoken of. Uh, and sometimes those crises are peppered very, very close together. And yet, uh, what we see is, um, a resilience in, in in markets that continues and yeah. that and, and that is pervasive. So that's there should we should take some confidence from that.
0: And I think you know, to try and put as much of a positive spin as we possibly can on, on all those massive global events that, that have affected global markets, which is immediately where you went. You went from global events to the markets. And we're not talking about the markets where you and I are going to buy our fresh veg from. We're talking about, you know, the NASDAQ and the stock exchange all over the world. But I couldn't do anything to prevent the financial crash, I couldn't do anything to prevent 9-11 happening, I couldn't stop the war in Ukraine, I couldn't prevent Covid, I couldn't convince people in politics and power in the UK to to reverse the decision on Brexit. How important do you think it is for the man and woman in the street to just focus on their own little four walls and you know the, the few pence that they've got to invest or spend themselves and not become overawed by these massive global events?
3: Yeah, well very important and I think you, you've you've hit the nail on the head in, in one sense because control what we can control and one of the things we can manage and we seem to have begun to get better in this country at is dealing with crisis so we've had uh, you've named four or five crises over the last 15 I'm good years I'm find a good crisis uh, and we've had me. those and and we've managed uh, our way through those crises there will be more and there will be more coming and the point is to, to understand that, as Donald Rumsfeld, the former US Secretary of State, I think, or Defence Secretary said, the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns, we don't know what's around the corner, we don't want to know what's around the corner. However, one thing we should know is that we will be prepared, or we need to be prepared, and we will get through stuff. So we've seen that. All of the evidence shows us that, and, and actually, and I'm not saying we're going through a purple patch at the moment, but because, obviously, interest rates are still too high the German economy is slipped into recession, growth is is, is tailing back but 2024 looks already okay. better.
0: Yeah, so uh, the, you see what's around the corner is not always bad sometimes. I mean, you never know what's around the corner. Oh, you never know what's around Sometimes it could be, you never know what's around the corner. Just say it slightly differently and it sounds totally different. Um, Jerry's going to stay with us till after uh, the 11 o'clock news because we want to talk about budgetary kite flying and obviously to get to some of your questions. We're um, going to take a short break at which point we'll be nearly on the 11 o'clock news
2: KCL Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlow with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie on my Instagram
8: page to make an appointment to come have a look at our stuff
7: great stuff so Sharon, Dean Love Letters event decor lovely to chat to you and really looking forward to seeing you at our wedding showcase coming up soon at the Medieval Mile I love
0: Our very own ethnic Quirk talking to Sharon from Love Letters Events, Decor, and of course they'll be at our very own wedding fair. Medieval Mile, 28th of September. Nearly said 29th there. 28th of September, Thursday the 28th, coming up in a good week's time. You can go along, it's free for those who want to attend. All you've got to do is register online you can do so by visiting any of our KCLR platforms, um, social media pages, website, anything like that. And for those who are popping along, not only will it be a bit of fun, a bit of an evening out happening between 5 and 9, you don't need to take any time off work. There's also the opportunity to win a 1,000 euro holiday voucher and I'm sure even if you're not the person getting married, you'd still be able to uh, find somewhere to spend that money on. We we'll continue that series tomorrow and after the break we'll be talking to Angie Goff. She's the CEO and co founder of Helping Irish Hosts, an organisation that helps families who are helping others.
2: KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Yeah,
0: it's 10 minutes to 12 this morning. Um, great morning. Mm, weather's a not quite as good as it was last week. But it's not raining today. That's a positive, I suppose, for mid September. Um, after this little digi from Niall Horan It's called Heaven We'll be talking to Angie Goff As I said CEO and co-founder Of Helping Irish Hosts
6: You float across the room Your touch is made of something Heaven can hold a candle too You're made of something new Let's not get complicated Let's just enjoy the view it's hard
0: to Horan with heaven seven minutes two twelve here this uh, Tuesday morning it's the twelfth of September. Um, time now to speak to Angie Gough because Angie Gough is the CEO and founder of Helping Irish Hosts. It's an organisation that helps family who are hosting or indeed helping others, and she joins us on the show now this morning on the phone line. Good morning, Angie.
6: Good morning, Brian.
0: Great to have you here. I mean, Helping Irish Hosts. Just give us a quick little oversight as to where that idea came from.
6: So, Brian, we sprang up in response to the war in Ukraine last year when I started hosting two families in my house and built a network then of other people locally who had taken people into their homes, um, who had fled from Ukraine, and now we're part of a consortium of partners, including the Red Cross, Peter McFerry, IOM, and the local authorities, who match people in, who match people who've come to Ireland seeking protection into Irish host homes. And there are now 16% of the Ukrainians who live in, who are living in Ireland are living in host homes. So there's over, over 10,000 host homes in Ireland have at one stage or another hosted um, and currently just over seven and a half thousand people. Have Ukrainians living with them in their homes in Ireland and large properties? Like it's amazing.
0: Yeah, and at the time, obviously, it was an emergency response. I mean, we were just trying to find people who were willing to take the you know these other families into their home, um, and people just stepped forward and stepped up to the plate, as it were. But there, there wasn't initially a huge amount of uh, help or support or education or training or connectivity for these people. You really, obviously, must have felt that then the, the need to create this. <laughs>
6: Oh, my God, Brian, totally. Like, people had arrived in our house, we didn't know what we were supposed to do with them, really, apart from, would you just give them a hug? And we made spaghetti meatballs that night, and we all sat down together with this tr- these traumatized families who'd arrived with literally nothing, just mm-hmm. themselves and their cat, like, nothing. And that was back in March of last year. Um, so now people who are moving into host homes are have been here for a while or whatever. And but But since last year... We started writing down what we were doing and then another host built a website and we all started putting our experiences in and the things that you do when somebody needs to a social welfare or, or sign up for a doctor or go to a school, what do you do? So all that stuff has, <laughs> is now a very big toolkit, like it's a book that's also on a website to help people who are doing so resources and support. For yeah, people because I mean, when somebody doing ar- it by themselves, when
0: somebody arrives into your house in those circumstances, you're you're pretty much everything to them, really, aren't you? You, I mean, you, you're you're providing them with a home. You're certainly providing them with. Love and attention for the first couple of days, meals. But you're also trying to give them. You're trying to be that point of contact for this new person or family arriving into Ireland. What What's the phone number for this organisation? Who are that organisation? Was that a role that you felt that you were ready for, or was it just something that you sort of learnt on the fly for Angie?
6: Not at all. We just learnt it. We made it up as we went along. But it was absolutely grand, and what an experience it has been. So there's all the expertise of people living the experience that can help each other. Like, we reached out to other people for help, like, as always happens in Irish communities, asking other people to give you a dig out. Like, so when families move into our house, you're asking... I asked the builders who had worked on our house the year before they came put up shelves put up shower curtains put up di- they they fixed a room in our house up like a like a little apartment for I can
0: imagine it was something like come. you'd see on one of the TV shows and uh, the crowd arriving yeah, in and doing
6: are, I didn't know who was coming <laughs> into the house and I like be looking around the fridge full, that some Trish next door had filled up the the fridge Somebody else had put a cat litter and all the stuff. It just people ro- rose to help, and they are continuing to rise to help because not everyone has a room in their house that they can put somebody Absolutely.
0: in. Absolutely. Well, you've formalised all of that sort of structure now a little bit more over the last um, you know, two years nearly at this stage, um, and you've got an event taking place tomorrow in Father McGrath Centre here in Kilkenny between 7 and 9. Tell us about that event and what people will find if they pop along.
6: So, we're coming to the Father McGrath Centre. We'll be there from half six to nine. We have Cathy Sheridan, who is a journalist from the Irish Times and presenter and wonderful lady. We've done these roadshows around the country in various places Clare, Donegal, Cork, Fingal, most recently, um, where we just bring anyone who's hosting is welcome to come. Anyone who is curious about hosting is welcome to come. Um, we talk through the resources that are available for people now doing it so we explained about the accommodation recognition payment which is now 800 euros a month for anyone who's offering to host in or who's hosting someone in their home which is a huge help to you know covering the costs that come with, associated with having a new family living with you in your home yeah. or in your property um, and we go through all the different things that 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 are available now like our host support sessions and every fortnight like the local we plug people into local networks Um, Kilkenny Leader Partnership Moira there and her team have been doing great work with with the Ukrainian community in Kilkenny so if anyone near is hosting that they can plug their guests into those networks
0: yeah It does sound like a fabulous network, as I said. The event taking place tomorrow evening between 7 and 9 in Farther McGrath Centre. And for anybody that's wanting to find out more information, Helping Irish Hosts obviously have their own website, helpingirishhosts.com. Is that correct, Angie?
6: That's right, and all the information is up there. And if they don't make it to Father McGrath Centre tomorrow night, we're at the Ploughing Championships next week. So As three will days. Be. We've built a kitchen in a shipping container and we've planted it in the field. And we're there to have cups of tea with people, to talk through how things are going if you're hosting, to help you with the headaches or if you're coming to the end of the hosting journey, how you move your guests on or how you help them move themselves on. Yeah. And we have all the answers to those kind of things. So come see us at the Ploughing if you can't come.
0: We will us, do. Uh, very nice. Angie Goff, CEO and founder of Helping Irish Homes. Thank you very much for that. Uh, touch late to the news at twelve, but we will get there. John Keane is up after the news at twelve. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Thanks to all the team, and most importantly, thanks to you for listening. Take
2: care. or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie.